Welcome to the Insurance Talent Podcast, featuring insights and discussion on key talent and leadership topics in an evolving marketplace. Welcome to the Insurance Talent Podcast. I'm Greg Jacobson, co-CEO of the Jacobson Group. On this episode, we'll be sharing some of the key findings from our first quarter 2022 insurance labor market study. This is a semi-annual study, now in its 13th year, conducted by the Jacobson Group and Aon. Jeff Reeder, head of Aon's Ward benchmarking practice, is once again joining us to discuss the study's highlights and what insurers can expect from a recruiting and hiring standpoint this year. Hi, Jeff. Thank you for joining us today. It's great to be here, Greg. Hey, Jeff, first, uh, can you give us a little background on uh, the labor market study that we've been doing? Yeah, the labor market study has been uh, completed since 2009. Uh, we started shortly after the recession to help understand the labor outlook for insurance companies, both on the property casualty and a life insurance segments. And uh, what we simply ask our companies, what is their outlook over the next 12 month period in terms of their uh, labor hiring patterns and some of the roles in, in which they uh, are targeting specifically. Uh, more recently, we also added uh, some elements to help address the uh, COVID-19 impact, as well as looking at how companies are thinking about hiring around experienced or entry-level staff as well. Great, so I'm gonna ask you um, a question about what are some of the key findings, but before that, I think I'd like to integrate uh, some of the information that we get from the Bureau of Labor Statistics into the, the conversation. So let me just set that up by, by telling everybody that the unemployment rate uh, is currently sitting uh, in the insurance industry at about 1.7%. Uh, it's about 4% for the um, overall economy. Um, interestingly, over the past year, the insurance industry has lost uh, jobs according to the BLS stati uh, study. However, I think it's very important to understand that this is not a result of uh, you know, uh, people, um, you know, jobs being gone. It's just about uh, companies not being able to fill positions that are open. Um, and we can talk more about that. Um, and then, uh, and, and then one other interesting stat about that is that you can see this because uh, we're now really close to the all time high in terms of the number of open jobs in the insurance and finance industries, according to the BLS. So that just kind of sets up the difficulty that we're in right now. Jeff, um, what are you seeing are some of the key findings from our study? Well, right now we're finding that the uh, demand for labor is at its highest ever measured in the history of our study. Um, so, which was very surprising to see that um, now nearly 80% of companies are expecting to hire in the next uh, 12 month period. And that is the, the record level that we've seen. Um, a couple other things that were also interesting is that um, uh, in terms of asking companies on a scale of one to 10, the difficulty for recruiting, that also measured as the uh, most difficult level ever measured for their ability to recruit. And uh, every activity uh, ranked above a scale of, uh, on a scale of one to 10, above a five at the median. And uh, we saw that come through in the um, mid-year labor outlook study from, uh, from last year, and that continued into 2022. And um, it's pretty consistent across all levels, uh, I should say, or all areas within the industry that uh, all are experiencing difficulty in recruiting and expected to hire. So whether they were uh, personal lines oriented, commercial lines oriented, balanced, uh, or life or annuity, uh, really it appears that uh, across the board, all companies are expecting to hire in 2022. 
So, as you said, we're probably in the most uh, most competitive situation from an employment standpoint. Uh, certainly, since we've been doing the study in 2009, maybe ever in the in industry's history. Uh, what kind of impact is this having on uh, insurance companies? Well, the, there's a couple of clear areas that are uh, being more difficult. First is the uh, compensation cycle. Uh, yeah, obviously, we're just at the uh, tail end, I would say, for the compensation cycle for 2022. But uh, earlier on, we saw that in the last six months, companies were making uh, more proactive market adjustments to their pay. So where they were finding that uh, individuals were out of alignment uh, with the market, they were making adjustments in 2021. And that's continued to this year that we're seeing where historically companies were budgeting perhaps 3% market or I should say merit increases. Um, now we're finding that most are anticipating closer to 5% in terms of the impact of both merit and the market adjustments that they're making. Um, what that also is causing is that when individuals are being hired new into the organization, uh, many times they're being hired in at higher levels than the outgoing incumbent. And that is also causing some pay inequity uh, from a leveling standpoint that companies are now uh, adjusting pay for their current incumbents uh, to make sure that they are um, you know, at equity with the rest of the organization. The other challenges that we're seeing is that um, while companies are expecting to hire, they're finding it very difficult to fill those positions. So on average, most positions are taking about 30 days longer to fill uh, compared to prior years. And um, the companies are not able to fully execute on their staffing plans. Um, and uh, we kind of saw that already coming through that uh, even in the mid-year of 2021, uh, many were expecting to hire, but they were not able to fill those positions as quickly as they were hoping to. And um, the, the, from a delivery standpoint, the challenges that it's facing is uh, growth right now has not been difficult. Uh, over the past year, many organizations grew, uh, particularly on the property casualty side, by 10% or more. Um, but now we're finding that uh, their staff is strained, uh, whether it's their underwriting staff. Um, but one area that's in particular being strained is the claim staff. Uh, and this has been a two-year impact that uh, in the really the peak of the pandemic of 2020, when um, activity, economic activity was at its lowest, people were not driving, we saw a sharp decline in claims frequency. And many companies took that opportunity to, um, to not hire. Uh, and with natural attrition, that claim staff in particular was at its uh, perhaps lowest level. Now that we've seen a rebound in uh, certainly driving activity, but um, uh, we were not, um, the last, we'll say, uh, four or five months, there was elevated catastrophe activity, whether it was uh, wildfires, we certainly had the derecho, uh, and the tornadoes that came through in uh, December, that really put to front the, um, the challenges companies have in claims. So as a result, we've seen that for personal lines oriented companies, claims is gonna be the, uh, the number one area that they're hiring for. And we also saw a very sharp increase in the recruiting difficulties that came through. So it was almost a, a one point increase on that scale of one to 10 for companies to, to hire in claims. So, uh, and then lastly, I think the impact that we're going to see now is the recruiting classes. Um, so, you know, Greg, we've been around long enough. Uh, you've been around a little longer than me, but uh, uh, if we look at the uh, kind of late nineties, many of the companies were having those 
classes that they brought in recruiting, um, you know, 30, 40 underwriters, claims adjusters, et cetera, hiring right out of college and bringing those classes. Those were abandoned for the large part of the uh, early 2000s and even really the last decade. And what that is causing is a major gap in talent at that mid-year. So think of those individuals that would be perhaps in their uh, early 30s to um, mid 40s. There's uh, kind of a, a drain of talent in that area for that mid-level career. And we're finding that uh, uh, companies as they're trying to meet these um, staffing plans, are, we're starting to see a, a more of a focus of bringing in those class hiring as well. Let me, let me ask you this. Are you, what kind of impact is this, this talent shortage, this really difficult recruiting time uh, um, having on uh, companies? I mean, I, one of the interesting, interest, interesting things is that our study also asks the question about whether people expect, whether companies expect to grow. And in ex excess of 80% of the companies that responded said they expect to grow in the next 12 months. Will those companies be able to hit their goals if they don't have the staff? Uh, I think it's going to be very difficult for them. Um, I, well, I think they're, I, one, I think they will be able to, to grow. Um, the market is just allowing for that right now. Um, the challenges that they're going to face is more around succession planning within the organization, I think, uh, in part. But um, the, for commercial lines oriented companies right now, we've seen a heavy emphasis on expanding their product footprint. So um, if you take a kind of basic examples of uh, expanding into geographic areas, but we're also seeing expansion into more of the uh, ENS lines of business, as well as growth in reinsurance uh, assumed business as well. What the, um, and, and on the life side, it's a little bit different. Um, there's been kind of a reshuffling there as companies adjusted. We saw you know, annuity premiums, for example, in 2020, uh, there was a sharp decline that rebounded very much in 2021. Uh, the outlook is uh, perhaps positive there for 2022 as well. So as companies are thinking about uh, kind of shifting their uh, overall product footprint, um, we saw that they're, in order to do that, they need to hire experienced staff. It's very difficult to build something like that with um, you know, inexperienced individuals. So you know, if, if we looked at the um, expectations only 24% of the total positions that were expected to be filled in the next uh, 12 months were entry level. So um, really what it's showing is that there's gonna be a high demand for that experienced uh, staff. And um, you know, ultimately the impact of that is gonna be a growth in wages, I think across that. The other piece is that companies are gonna have to be um, um, more thoughtful in their incentive plans, where uh, in the past, incentive payments perhaps were only paid for um, uh, exceeding goals. Now that target compensation uh, has to include, you know, a, a fair target uh, incentive package as well. So let me ask you a question uh, regarding the reasons for this, um, the situation that we're in. You, you mentioned a little bit about the fact that, you know, training was down significantly, especially 20, between 20 and 10 years ago. More recently, I think it, it got a little bit better, but probably obviously has not met the demand. Um, a lot of people are always asking me, what is the reason for this, this uh, shortage? I mean, is this the great resignation or is this really related to the fact that the insurance industry is an older, has been historically an older industry and there's more people retiring than there are coming into the industry? Do you have a sense? 
Yeah, there is. Um, so we've done some other studies around the uh, average age and tenure within the uh, insurance. Uh, so insurance typically is uh, an older workforce. Uh, on average, it's about 46 to 47 years uh, is the average age of employee. And that has gradually increased over the last 15 years that we've seen. Uh, you know, in part, people are working longer, uh, so that does increase the age. But um, that also means that we have a higher percentage of the population that is eligible for retirement. Uh, I believe our last view was right around 12% of the insurance, average insurance workforce was over the age of 60. So um, it's a very high percentage of, of individuals. So, um, you know, one of the things that um, also comes through is we saw at the end of 2020 uh, and a little bit last year, but for larger companies, particularly some of the uh, national carriers, um, they also were, they, they had seen this uh, coming. Um, some were actually pushing uh, for early retirement programs uh, as they were trying to address, um, you know, some inefficiencies that might have. So they offered uh, early retirement. Um, but I, I think that wave is kind of passed. I think, you know, for companies, um, as they're trying to perhaps be more efficient. I don't think that there's, you know, right now, I, I think most companies feel that they're, you know, to the bone in terms of their staffing models. Um, so they're, you know, right now it's just trying to figure out how they can adequately staff their business to serve their customer needs and growth aspirations. Um, so let's just go back to the compensation discussion a little bit. What do you think companies are doing given the fact, and we're seeing exactly the same thing, that uh, many companies are hiring people in because of the you know, demand for talent and the difficulty to recruit at higher levels than similar positions or the same positions um, that are already residing within an organization. What, what are companies doing to deal with that? Well, there's um, different approaches companies can take. Uh, you know, one is making a uh, full increase across the entire employee population and adjusting pay to get everybody up to market. That is the least common approach that's used. Uh, what we do find is that companies are looking at uh, high performers. Uh, they're high performer and high potential candidates in particular, and uh, specifically targeting them to make sure that they are either at or above market, uh, and, and certainly um, making sure that they're equitable with their internal candidates. So that, that's the most common approach is uh, looking at your high performers and making sure that uh, you know, pay is adjusted for them. One other thing too, um, you know, we talked about the growth in the, the wages. Um, I do see, uh, you know, from based on anecdotal conversations we've had with clients, that it appears companies that are uh, in more urban areas are seeing it uh, at greater levels than those that are based in more rural areas. Um, and part of that is for companies that are perhaps located an hour, uh, an hour or more outside of a major urban area, they tend to be uh, one of the most preferred job opportunities within their local communities. Um, so they're not feeling quite the pressure that uh, other organizations are seeing. That could change over time as companies become more and more remote. That uh, that could mean that those even remote employees that are uh, not in an urban area. Uh, could be target candidates for other companies that are trying to grow geographically. Yeah, absolutely. 
All right, so uh, one other uh, question that I want to talk about, one other thing I want to talk about is just uh, retention and then the importance of uh, workplace flexibility. You already mentioned remote working and so forth that that is um, that companies are, uh, you know, approving or looking at in, in terms of um, retaining their, their employees and so forth. What are you seeing right now in the market? Are things changing dramatically and is it a permanent change in terms of flexibility and, and remote working? It, uh, it does appear that it's a permanent change. Um, I think it's at least we're going to see this for the uh, next few years as companies think about their uh, overall working models. But uh, from our uh, other studies, it appears about 85% of organizations are expected to be in some type of hybrid working environment. So really only about one out of 10 or so are expected to go back to the uh, office in a traditional uh, four to five day work week environment. Um, but the, the working model is, is changing a bit in terms of the uh, physical footprint. So we, if, even if a company is in a hybrid working model, they're still going to need the office space for those employees that will be there in that, uh, whether it's a two or three day uh, a week. So we're seeing some shift that uh, companies are alternating where they'll have um, shared space, where teams will be in for you know Monday, Tuesday, and a different team's in there for Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, so that could allow for um, some cost savings around uh, that footprint there. But uh, ultimately, if I had a uh, crystal ball, I think we're going to end up seeing that you know probably anywhere between 30 to 40 percent of the workforce will be on a permanent working from home. Uh, not even in a, in a hybrid working environment. And, and part, part of the reason for that, it was uh, for many positions like a claims area, um, those were uh, oftentimes already distributed, you know, away from the home office environment. Uh, the same was true for underwriting or loss control activities. But, um, you know, I had a recent conversation with a CFO who had a responsibility for their collections unit. And, you know, his comment was, uh, I really don't need these collections individuals to be in the office you know they're, they're going to be making those calls trying to collect on um on payments wherever they are and uh, perhaps we don't need them to be in the office for more than maybe once or twice a month so um I, I think you're seeing that thought process being applied to every activity yeah i agree i, I think long term my, my view is that um a third of the industry is going to be fully remote a third will be um, a hybrid and a third will still be will go back to the office 100%. But the interesting thing about that is that employees are going to have an opportunity to choose what environment they want to work in. Um, and I think that that's going to have an impact. I think anecdotally, I can tell you that um, the number one, the first question uh, when we call a potential candidate on a job, the first question that they ask is, where's the job located or is it, um, or can I work from home and so forth? And I will tell you, there is nothing that's more difficult than getting people to relocate for jobs these days. It just, it almost is, um, you know, an impossible task. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, uh, we've heard many comments uh, from our clients echoing the same. Thank you so much for joining us, Jeff. Uh, that is a tremendous insight and I appreciate you sharing information beyond what is uh, generally available in our study, but really insights on what's happening as a result of this really uh, unique time. Thank you, Jeff. All right, you're welcome. Good to see you. Thanks everyone for listening. We hope you found this information valuable. 
If you'd like to receive the full summary of the study's findings, click the link in the show notes. Additionally, Jeff's contact information is in the show notes and feel free to contact him if you have any questions.